0: The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, what makes marketers credible? Have you ever gotten irked by a personality who just seems to wanna sell to you and promote themselves and doesn't come off as having your best interests truly at heart? It's a sore spot for so many of us. We're going to hit it on the head in this show. For many of you who are seeking to lead and influence others, and many of you who already are, you're going to want to tune in and hear how you can better serve and care for your audience and how to and not to market and position yourself. I start us off with a short clip from a presentation by Zig Ziglar where he references a story he used in his all-time best-selling book, See You at the Top. Stories about a guy named Tom Hartman who lost a lot of weight using the Ziglar principles. But in this segment, Zig references the story because he realizes he's selling this book that he authored that contains that story, and he's really overweight at that time himself. Does not bode well for his own credibility. I'll never forget a celebrity author once with uh, another book on relationships and Finding out she was twice divorced and currently single, and in that circumstance, I found her credibility on what it takes to have healthy relationships a bit questionable. Well, from Zig's message and his point on his own credibility, I asked the Ziegler audience this question. With all the personalities, you know, authors and speakers, podcasters, etc., cetera, marketing to you, what hurts their credibility most? to you Uh, we got a barrage of responses and a week later they're still coming in people get really frustrated and disappointed uh, as we all look for people to lead and guide us but we're so sensitive when we feel taken advantage of i think you'll resonate with many of the responses and again if you're seeking yourself to lead influence and market to others this is your filter to gain and retain credibility and success So I'll start us off with a two-minute clip from Zig Ziglar, then Tom Ziglar and I will talk through a lot of the comments right after I share some great products and services with you.
1: Even our 6th, 7th, and 8th graders ought to write a book, and I'll tell you what the title of the book ought to be, what you ought to do to get the most out of life. When I wrote See at the Top, I could well have put that as the title because that really was what I said. What do you do to get the most out of life on a permanent basis? Well, the first words I wrote in this book were the words I used in the Tom Hartman story earlier. You can go where you want to go. You can do what you want to do. You can be like you want to be. Now, those are not the first words in the book, but that's what I had originally written. And as I wrote those words, I got to say to you that I looked at them and started talking to myself. Uh, Now, talking to yourself is okay, as I mentioned earlier. Dr. Joyce Brothers says people who talk to themselves are above average in intelligence. So if you've been guilty of that, go right ahead. But when I wrote those words, I noticed I was holding the book way out there. And the reason I was because a 41-inch waistline and over 200 pounds of Ziegler stood between me and the book. And the thought occurred to me that one day one of you folks who read this book would come up to me and smilingly, and obviously you'd have been slender, and you would have said, "Ziegler, you believe all that stuff? You're right." And I was going to say, "Of course I do." Then I could imagine you saying, "Do you believe it all?" And I'd say, "Why, certainly I do." Then I can imagine you literally poking your finger in that forty-one inch waistline and saying, "Ziegler, do you believe it all?" Then I was going to have to say, Well, you know, us authors, we do take a little literary license every once in a while. In other words, they go, you lied about it. Hey, friend, don't call me a liar. People don't like like Well, you're at least a hypocrite. Man, don't call me a hypocrite. People sure don't like hypocrites. Some people don't even go to church because there's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites down there. Always tell them, Friend, don't let that stop you. Come on down. we got room for one more. <laughs> well, anyhow, I knew... <coughs> I knew that if I was going to put those words in that book, I had to do something about me.
0: Well, Tom, as uh, you know, this topic of credibility, we're going to hear it from, or I want us hearing it from two angles. One, as recipients of this, we are all marketed to by any variety of influencers and leaders. And so we can all chime in. That's what most people did in the response here chime in to say what hurts credibility from the people marketing to them. But as so many of our audience uh, are influencing others, they have big and small audiences. They're making the effort to write a book, host a podcast, have a website, have a product, uh, whatever they need to be hearing this. We do and realize what hurts our credibility and how we can be more credible because I think there's a lot of people with good hearts. Um, Tom, I know you've, I mean, you you like me, we grew up in this industry. We've seen people with good hearts who had bad tactics, poor tactics that hurt their credibility. And it was a shame because people do judge a book by its cover and people aren't going to engage with a message they're going to miss out because it was promoted poorly. And that's a, as you know, we're going to hit on some of the topics. It's it's sometimes a fine line uh, to how do you promote and be credible and, and, and authentic? Uh, it's, it's just, it can be a slippery slope.
2: Absolutely. We're already getting some comments here. Yeah, You know, lack of consistency from from Carlo and uh, Marnie says, Hey, you got to walk the talk. So, so, and this is, this is a big one, but I know that we've got some, specific questions that, uh, let's just, just, let's just dig in Kevin and go through them question by question.
0: We are. And I'm hoping that as you think about this, as folks are hearing this and think, oh gosh, this is what hurts credibility. I hope we hit those topics. We got a lot of feedback. We did group some of the comments together. Uh, so uh, let's just start off the uh, right off the top and we'll hit some of the groupings. And I'll tell you one that came across a lot was profanity. Uh, Interesting topic to to hit on here, Tom, because there are absolutely people who I know and I respect as leaders and influencers who curse. They do it on their blogs, on their podcasts, in their books, uh, even. And I think we've seen a rise in that. Now, I'm not... I would, I would have to also point out that we have a more conservative faith-based audience overall. So it's going to be maybe more of a sticking point with them than another, uh, another audience. But, uh, well, let me just, let me just throw some of these at you, Tom, David, uh, trees. He says, I listen to Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, which if you don't know, Joe Rogan, number one podcast on planet earth, uh, he's been doing it forever. And he literally does. I mean, he generally has the top ranked podcast on the planet. He says, uh, but David says, I listen to Joe Rogan when he has somebody I'm familiar with. I don't listen to him more often because of his excessive cursing. It's one thing to occasionally curse. It's another thing when it's repetitive, Tony banning says language. I don't care how smart people are. If they cuss, they have little regard for those listening and the young people they are feeding. Uh, Jake Fox says, uh, profanity. And, and Eric uh, Vietz right after says, yeah, in general, I'd agree. It depends on how it's used. Maybe Uh, for Gary Vaynerchuk, it is part of his brand and draws a specific set of clients. And Gary is known for his uh, more than colorful language uh, for sure. Timothy driver. I'm definitely turned off by any podcast or books where curse words are used. A good leadership book should not have those words in it. And I want to come back to him talking about leadership. Uh, it, so lots of people, Ben Kaiser cursing repeated, uh, and re- repetitively it just turns me off. Tom, I mean this, you know, you grew up with your dad on stage and he was on stage with lots of people and lots yeah. of some, some people who had some colorful language as well. Of course, I think anybody who knows Zig uh, knows that he did not, um, you know, and I'll say on that side, we're talking about cursing, you know, one of the things that Zig's known for is he was told coached early on to, you know, don't get, don't talk about God when you're on stage and he chose to, and obviously it it, it worked for him. I think some people think of cursing that way. Oh, you shouldn't do it. And they feel like, Hey, it's more authentic. Um, so give, give them the Ziegler perspective on it, Tom.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so there's a, there's a phrase that I heard uh, that I'm, I'm reading a book and it, and it, it said, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. Okay. Now, I was raised in the power of words. Words have unbelievable power. And so, not only is profanity or cursing something that at best is questionable, uh, so is, you know, other things, sarcasm, uh, mm-hmm. speaking down to someone, uh, you know, using derogatory um slurs or you know those are kind of obvious these days they're getting called out all the time one of the reports that I read is that in every act of violence like in police reports when you get into them something like 99 percent of all violent acts are preceded by profanity right there's cursing there's there's you know there's that anger that comes out And then dad had this really, he had this simple comment. He said, you know, I've never heard of a speaker who got invited to speak specifically because they were so excited. They cussed all the time, right? They've never had a, you know, nobody's ever said, you know, you can come speak, but you got to, you got to cuss a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't happen. But I can tell you numerous people who have lost segments of society with their, their profanity. Uh, and so my question is, is it, is it good? Is it pure? Is it powerful? Does it lift someone up now? I'm not blind either. Okay. Or maybe in this context, I should say, I'm not deaf either. (laughs) So, yeah, because you know, we, we hear it. I was, uh, I was in my early twenties and dad was speaking to a big organization and it was the, it was their big conference. They had about a thousand people there. We were back in the green room with the executives of this company, and Dad was talking to him, and this was the oil and gas industry. Uh, the executives had been out in the oil well and the oil fields, uh, kind of a roughneck, you know, kind of very, very intense. A lot of them former military. I think maybe the CEO was was ex marine or something like. Or, well, you're never an ex marine, but you know what I mean. Just and just the greatest people in the world. But man, did they cuss in the back room. And I, at that age, I'd never really been experienced to that, okay? I, I hadn't heard it. And so when, when Dad and I had a private moment, I said, Dad, what's, what's with all this language? And he looked at me, and this is what he said. He said, son, two things. First thing is this. Never dismiss somebody's intelligence because of the language they choose to use. He said, you can learn a lot from them. There's a lot of things that they know and do very well. And so don't ever just eliminate somebody completely because of the language they use. And then he said this. He said, isn't it a shame that because they choose to use that type of language, they're going to alienate some people without even intending to? And I think that to me is wisdom, right? Why would we use language that would interfere with building a relationship and helping someone go to the next level? And then I've heard other experts say, well, I use, you know, profanity to shock people, yeah, to get their attention, to get a shift in the way they think, Um and you know what? I think there might be a time for that. Like right before you go into battle and your life is on the line, if you're a general and that's what you do, I'm not saying don't do it. Right. I'm saying there might be a time, but if you're a professional speaker or, or expert author who is, is there to help other people grow, I think there are more effective ways than that, that don't have the downside. Uh, you know, when you, when you hear that kind of language for some people, the only time they ever experienced that language was in a traumatic uh, environment, and and that creates an issue all its own.
0: Man, I appreciate what you said. You you said the word "does it lift," and that's what I thought of too. You know, we're talking about a professional. We're talking about a professional arena. Uh, we're not talking about people's homes. This is people who influence you, market to you. You know what what takes away credibility and cursing was the profanity was the topic but you just saying that made me thought yeah is your are your words your words are so powerful are they life giving or life taking and you mentioned that you know sarcasm talking down and i thought anything that's blaming accusing criticizing which our media is so full of right now and generally if somebody's doing that I just, I lose, they lose credibility for me, whether it's a curse word or yeah, sarcasm, criticism, whatever. So are your words lifting or are, are they life giving or life taking? That's the, uh, my kids, one of the songs we used to listen to on the way to school was speak life by Toby Mac, our words speaking like, but a, a couple things on this, you know, I, yeah, I've had people who think it's shock value. It's being authentic. It helps them, you know, resonate with uh, with their, their audience, uh, one, but yeah, I have never known anybody who was offended or put off by somebody. Cause he said, you know, I like the guy, but he just didn't cuss. Never heard that. Just like you talked about, never heard that. And I've absolutely heard the others were, gosh, I just, you know, the cursing, uh, offended. So from a personal, from a, from a marketing standpoint, if I want people to engage with my message, it's the stats are the stats. I, I'm going to have more people engaged by not cursing than if I do. I'm not going to offend, offend anybody by not, uh, and I'm going to be man. When I talk, I mean even like on here, I am expressive. I am emotive. I words are powerful. But yeah, like you said, Tom, I just have never had a need to use a curse word. But as the guy I talked about with Joe Rogan, and I've heard you know heard this with Gary Vaynerchuk and some other people. A guy again, Gary Vaynerchuk has some great messages. Joe Rogan, he's an interesting interviewer, but he's really not there to change lives or lift people up. He's there for entertainment. And that's a great method or or a great way to look at it right there. Are you there uh, for interest and entertainment or are you there for leadership and influence? If you're there for interest and entertainment, I don't think it's as big a deal. If you're over here and you really want to be a leader and influencer, generally there's not a great place for again, any of these life-taking words or profanity, even more so in personal development. I've seen some people in business development get away with it more so than personal. When it's personal development, Boy, it generally is going to leave a bad, it's going to hurt again, hurt credibility. And then just on the repetition, this is what, this is one that gets me that I don't, I don't understand because I've seen people in leadership roles who not only curse, but just use it over and over and over again. That's just weird to me because from a professional standpoint, I don't want any word used excessively. I mean, if I sat here, Tom, and I talked about, man, this is going to be an awesome show. and We've got an awesome guest and man, I've got an awesome response here. And this is just all. And I, about the seventh time I say it, you're going to does a guy know any other adjectives? He must right. not be very, very well versed in, 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 verbiage, you know, in the English language that is weird to me. And so you get somebody who uses the F word over and over and over. And I'm thinking, my gosh, is it you have you seem very limited in your vernacular.
2: That's right. And, you know, when we train speakers at our Ziegler Speakers Institute, what we call that is padding. And we know the common padding words, uh, you know, like, uh, so all these words that are common, a descriptor that's common. And padding always gets in the way of your core message. Yeah. And people will, they've got their own uh, vocabulary. And so their padding word might be unique to them and it can be profanity. I will say this is that I've spoken all over the world. Uh, in different cultures, uh, you know, there are different words. In the in 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 a culture, a word might have more meaning or less meaning. But I've never gotten into trouble with having the mindset of the approach of of hey, I'm going to respect everybody in the room. If a mm-hmm. if an 80 year old grandmother is in the room with her eight year old great granddaughter, I'm going to use language that's going to respect both of them. Yeah right? That's what we're going to do. Now, I have been in countries where uh, they'll joke and they'll say, well, you know, cussing here is like a sport, right? I mean, it's like, it's just part of it is. And so what you've got to understand is that it may be in that culture, the words don't mean quite the same thing. They don't, they're not as derogatory. They don't have the same connotation, but I've never gotten in trouble by staying away from those words, even in those countries. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's where we, we came from it. And you know, one of the things with our when we have our Ziegler legacy certification, when we certify somebody to teach our material, uh, we have a code of ethics that we give to them when they graduate. And one of it is there is they're never going to use any uh, profanity or tell any questionable jokes yeah. because we want to set the standard as high as possible. This is what I've discovered, whether you're a parent in your own household, whether you're uh, you know, going out to develop your own self in your own career, or you're trying to build something in a business, the higher you set your standard, the better chance you have of success. And so we set a high standard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that about being just aware of your audience. And, and I, you know what? I'll call somebody out because he'll appreciate it. Uh, Christopher Lockhead, who we both know, and he's got uh, um, uh, the book Play, Play Bigger. And, um, and his other book niche down and we've had him on the show. He has a podcast that's done really well. And he is, uh, he, he uses profanity pretty, pretty frequently there. And when he came to be on the Ziegler show, show though, he said, Hey, I want you to know, I try, I honor the house that I'm in. And he knew where we stood, and almost, and we've had different people on the show, especially in the past, who uh, in other formats have have some colorful language and haven't here. I can think of one guest who we had to do a decent amount. I could have just not run the show, but again, it was a good message, and we did do probably five bleeps where we bleeped it out. Um, but uh, generally, I cover that. I cover that up front. You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on being credible as a leader, influencer, and marketer. Next, I read from a couple of people who cite the tired and overused phrases, especially during our current pandemic intentions. We'll get right back into it after I share some great products and services with you. I want to hit on what you said though, Tom on padding, uh, because somebody said a Christine O'Dell. she said, uh, this isn't exactly what you're talking about for padding, but some of these things that are just get overused. Let's just say that repetitive and overused. She said when they say, and she's of course, as we record right now, we're amidst the COVID-19, you know, pandemic of, of 2020. And so in response to that, she's saying right now, when people start off their message saying in these trying times, I turn it off immediately. <laughs> so Dan Brandenburg uh, and Dan was a member of a organization that I, that I led uh, years ago, a uh, neat guy. And he says, okay, he says, based on that, I, I started a list of these overused, overused phrases. He says uh, in times like these, he's got all these in quotes in these uncertain times, in these trying times, we must do our part. We will get through this together. The new normal Our world is suddenly different. We will come together. Everyone working hard to keep us safe. In these unprecedented times, despite everything that has changed, one thing hasn't. Our priority is to keep you safe. In this unprecedented time, flatten the curve. I mean, how many times have you seen or heard that? And again, for us to think of, if we're talking to an audience, and this kind of came under the the category of just canned stuff. And I'll, I'll say this, people are so... We get so much input. Everybody is reading, listening, and watching constantly. And we have become so sensitive and so tuned in that we can smell something inauthentic a mile away. And I'll I'll say one overarching feeling that I want people to understand from this is you will be found out. For better or worse, you are going to be found out. And if you are just putting out canned stuff and, and saying these repetitive things, man, it just, people, I think people smell it a mile away more than ever. They are more and more attuned to it. And authenticity is the word that gets used so much. That's a great Gen X, you know, phrase. They want somebody authentic. And I think it's a good call for all of us. Just a question, are we putting out authentic? Are we being authentic? Are we putting out authentic information? Are we just, uh, regurgitating stuff? And that, that got, got talked about a lot in this thread of when it feels like, you know, somebody is just stating the same stuff that I heard over here. And Tom, I question myself sometimes with that. You know, if I'm having somebody who's who I'm interviewing, who I know has been interviewed a lot, what am I going to pull out different or better? And if I can't, maybe I shouldn't do it. Find somebody, find somebody different. It really calls us all to the mat of, are we, do we have anything unique to offer or to say?
2: Sure. And then is there anything new under the sun?
0: <laughs> Which the answer is no. Yeah. Um, okay, hold on. You, you just said that. Let me pull this out. This came from, let me see if I can find it here. came from my, uh, my dad, uh, Dan Miller. Let me see if I can find him here uh, because he kind of hit on that aspect that you hear, again, these, these commonly said things of, hey, here's a new secret you know, I've got, I've got the secret never before heard of thing. And as Solomon said long time ago, there's nothing new under the sun. Do we have anything that at this point is really a secret that's never been divulged before? Or, but I should say, Tom. We can have a new perspective, a perspective relevant to a new time, a new voice, a new flavor. And I don't, I I do want people to hear that because yeah, is there anything that we can talk about or write about that has not been talked about or written about before? No, but these are new times. There's people who haven't heard those. I mean, people are born, they grow up and they aren't privy to them. So there's a responsibility and an opportunity to bring a message to them. But my gosh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, and on that there's to to give credit where credit is due. And I hear you do that a lot, Tom, I mean, you're consistently telling stories, man, I heard this from this person. I read this from this person and giving credit. And I I saw somebody, a fairly big personality recently who was called out for making some claims or saying some statements that was found to be from somebody else. And they just didn't give credit where credit was due. Boy, that's talk about losing credibility (laughs) quick.
2: Yeah. Dad always said that you know he quotes people all the time. That was his thing, and he said I, I quote him for two reasons. Number one, it's the right thing to do. If yeah. you if you get a phrase or a line or a thought or something that's you know that that an, an author has has kind of made famous uh, or they're known for it, you, you, it's the right thing to give them credit. Yeah. And number two, if it's ever proven wrong, it's not your fault. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like true. you got both sides both sides covered there
0: that's yeah absolutely um you know, on this aspect of being authentic that I mean, literally people, Jeff Bayless, he says not being authentic, Jessica Smith Morris, she says not being sincere and real. Uh, and there's a, and I actually asked, I'm not going to drop names here. I actually asked Jessica, she's a Ziegler legacy certified trainer uh, who she was talking about. Cause she said, there's a, a personality in particular right now that she's really disappointed with. And I asked her about it cause I wanted to know, and it is, it's a big, big name out there. Um, and it's someone who held ultimately who was really holding up their marriage as part of their brand. I'll say that part of their brand. And I've seen that. We see people who hold up their marriage, their family, uh, their faith, their political leanings, their, you know, yada, yada, different aspects of their person that they hold up as part of their brand. Um, I mean, my gosh, I talk about family and, and marriage a lot, but I don't really hold it up as part of my brand. So this was a personality who held their marriage up and was doing that up until all of a sudden bomb dropped and divorce is happening. And so to their followers it seemed disingenuous there. Not that, you know, every person we can't have perfect personalities out there. And you're gonna have one that's that's gonna have uh problems some some area and I think you as the personality have to just see how can you be authentic? I mean if you are you know, going to go, going through a financial time, do you share that with your audience, a financial downfall or a relational downfall or whatever? Do you share that? I think you got a way that if you're, especially if it comes into line with something that you are holding up as part of your platform? man, that is dangerous. My gosh, I mean your dad, the amount of time that he spent talking about his marriage, the redhead, your mom if he had had then a failing in that, that would have been massive because he used that as part of his platform, almost to the point of my gosh, if you don't have a, if you're a personality out there, let's just use marriage as a, as a muse. And your marriage isn't where you would like it to be. Maybe it's not one of the highlights of your life. I said, well, then don't pretend that it is. Don't come off as it is. You don't have to go and talk about that. You got a, a struggling marriage, but my gosh, don't hold that up. So we do need to I uh, be authentic, be honest to that degree.
2: Yep. And, you know, I see it a lot. Um, you know, marriage is one, I think faith is another, uh, yeah. where, where people will, uh, from the stage, from their platform, <clears throat> they'll talk about their faith and they'll, you know, they'll make certain claims. Uh, and then off the stage, they're not kind. They're not considerate. Yeah. Uh, they're arrogant. Their head can barely fit through the door. Uh, we call it speakeritis. Hmm. Uh, speakeritis is when you start believing all the press clippings and all the great things that people say about you and your head swells up. And so, yeah. Yeah. And so there's a lot of fantastic, great communicators with amazing material uh, and they get speakeritis and then eventually their career goes away. And it's because eventually you just, people go, wait a second, you know, if that was true, why don't you, why don't you live that way? Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous thing. And so yeah. Mike, you know, over and over again, people say, well, whatever you, do you, do you walk the talk? So one of my friends, uh, he was a consultant for our company or with us, I engaged him to do something and we became friends and he helped me through some trying times. His name is Dr. Clifton Jolly. And, and, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when dad was, was sick and passed away, he, he, he said, you know, uh, your dad walked his talk and he was a really good talker. And so think about that, because what he was saying is, is he he was a really good walker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He lived that example out. And that's the thing is, you know, authenticity Uh, transparency is I I would tell people, you know, um, nobody can be Zig Ziglar on stage. You can take any of the top speakers in the world is if you want to copy them and do what they do, good luck. It's not going to happen, right? They're unique and they've got a style and a personality and a presentation and it all comes together in a unique package. You, You can't be the next, whoever that person is, Zig Ziglar, anybody but you can be this. So when dad would finish speaking, he would often autograph for a couple of hours. Mm -hmm. And I got thousands of emails and Facebook messages and all these different things from people who said, hey, I heard your dad speak. And when it was done, I stood now in line for a couple of hours. And when I had that one minute with your dad, even though it was one minute, it was like I was the only person in the room. Yeah. And so what did that mean? Okay. They were people what people do when they when they see somebody in front of a group or an author online on a webinar and they go, man, this may this message is amazing. When they actually travel to go to meet that person one on one. The test is, are they the same or better or worse when I'm in a casual conversation with them? And so that then validifies or invalidates their message. And so all these people would say, it was like I was the only person in the room when they met with dad. So here's the thing, regardless of the size of your platform, you can all be Zig Ziglar offstage. You can all treat each person you're with, with kindness and respect and a full attention.
0: And, And that was my, that's my story. I was 16 years old at a conference, probably in Nashville, and stood in line, and uh, Zig Ziglar signed my performance planner, and looked me in the eye, and made me feel that way. And as I've shared before, uh, w- my dad got us into working the the tables in the back of the room, or you know, outside of the arena. For a lot of the influencers, we get in for free, we get to meet them and and all these things. And so I saw behind the scenes and it was, um, I was, I was a bit dismayed by a lot of the personalities who were flashy and amazing on stage and off stage, man, they did not have uh, a heart that you would, that you would hope for. And Zig stood out and lo and behold, here I am all these years later hosting the Zig Ziglar show. Uh, and that's, uh, that's a big part of it. Yeah. My dad, I'll, he was the one who put in here. I'm going to share these secrets never before revealed, uh, that he says hurts, hurts credibility. Colin Martin here says no real message other than cliches and platitudes. Uh, Renee Schultz, it feels impersonal and only directed often at the, at the masses. Um, extraordinary claims without an organic online footprint footprint of results and achievement. Dennis Durrell, this is good. He says, if it's new, it ain't true. And if it's true, it ain't new. Those who promise revolutionary ideas seldom, uh, deliver and, and it goes on and on and on. So, you know, and that this can be this can, people can get into trouble. We have a lot of business leaders out there, right? I mean, you do that. You're a bit, you, you lead. I lead more in the personal development space. You do there too, but you do a lot of business leading. You and uh, Howard Partridge do. And when we go, and especially, and, and, and you guys don't do this as much, but especially some of the online marketing Leaders who tell you, "Hey, here's a tried and true formula and procedure to do to go out there and to have an offering, an online offering, and and do well." Those are great. I mean, those those are great. We're talking about franchises in essence, turnkey system. Those are good, but it can you can fall into trouble if you're copying too directly. And you're just, yeah, again, regurgitating the same thing that's already out there. That happens a lot. And it really clutters up the space out there. We had a lot of people just say just the, there's so much noise coming from everybody. It's so difficult. And yeah, when you're not having something very authentic, it looks like everything else that's out there. Again, I think people are just tuning into it more and more and and more. So looking at, you know, it's one thing to model. That's good. We want to model what works. It's another thing just to copy and to put a different face on something else uh, out there. It's just again you you see it so much Tom and it's it can be a slippery slope. That just right there. How do you uh, that's a it's a valid question. How do you model what's working but be unique? You've got to answer that question.
2: Here's what I think and and for everybody's looking at different programs or systems and there's there's some fantastic ones out there uh, from people, you know, and from, and from people that are, you know, quite frankly, not that well known. And then there's some ones that are just, they're not good. Right. And some of those are from brand names and some of them are from people you haven't heard. And here's just a basic question. Is the system, the funnel, you know, what we talk about in marketing is the way that they is the way they get the word out and then bring people in and then share the message and then get them to engage and convert and become a customer is the system is the eventual output of the system to enhance a personal relationship with that organization where they really want to get to know you and you're a human being and you're an individual and they have things in place to answer your unique questions or is the system put in place so that they'll never have to deal with you. Mm. Right. So that they don't have to quote unquote waste their time with anybody other than the than the people who fit into the 80% who were just gonna go through it and and really not have engagement. Organizations that are focused on building relationships with individuals and or in and other companies and, and they, they look across, they look right in your eye when they talk to you, whether it's online or face to face, and they want you to be a part of their community for a long time. And they start to know the names of your family and your kids and your goals and all that, whether it's a sales system or a marketing system or, or a business platform, whatever it is, that's who you want to do business with. And you may or may not connect with their style and their personality and their approach because everybody's different. That's OK. But what's the end result? What do they want? They want to see you win, right? They
0: want to see you win. Yeah. We mentioned in not uh, such a positive light Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a very well known, you know, business leader these days. But I do remember early on in his career as he was kind of coming to fame and he talked about he did a lot of online engagement going into groups and connecting with people. And he said, man, it was not people. People ask him, you know, how do you scale that? He says it wasn't scalable it wasn't tenable, but I did it for a time. I killed myself for a time connecting with each and every comment, knowing the person caring about them. And he says, I did it. And I stayed up all night sometimes trying to do that, but it paid off because it was, as you said, it was real. It was caring. It was true. It wasn't just some gimmick of how can I make the most uh, splash with the least amount of, of work. And we, you know, we do have to be scalable. We do have to have lives and whatnot too, but My gosh. Yeah. There's so much out there, as you said, Tom, where these systems are built up and it's kind of how can you get the most bang for your buck and just uh, regurgitate something over here, make money and not really engage with the people. Um, Cindy snipes here. She says, uh, what, what hurts credibility for her trying to talk when people talk over, over your head, they're not relatable. And when they promote their items over the content they promise would be in their book or podcast or blog, I had a mentor I loved. Then it became about all her side projects like perfume and clothing, et cetera. And I preferred her in the coaching environment. She had real usable content then Tom, what's the ratio of, and I know we, you know, what you should do on, on, on Facebook or in your own promotions or emails or whatever, there's kind of a ratio that's played with on how many offerings of content of, of give them, you know, giving them real value uh, versus the promotion. I mean, I've heard it said, you know, one to six, one to 10. I mean, um, what do you, what do you usually think of when you're leading business people?
2: Yeah. You know, um, whether you're doing a speech, a keynote, uh, training, uh, a webinar, especially on the front end where it's prospecting, where you're engaging people and you're saying, hey, I want to share some things with you. And then if you like it and you want more, uh, I look at it as in, in terms of minutes. So in an hour webinar uh, that we do, you know, there's less than 10 minutes of the hour that's not content. Right. So what would that be? 50 out of 60 minutes, so yeah. 85, 90% uh, needs to be value, needs to be content. And then uh, there's another danger, and that is that it's it becomes so obvious that all of your content is just the tease, nothing really that can be used. And the reason they're doing it is so that, you know, you have to get the book, buy the program, join the course in order to get the rest. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm totally fine with giving some really deep, valuable content, and then doing an overview of some things, and just being honest and saying, you know what? If we had more time, we would go deeper. But if if you like the first part, if that impacted you, then you're gonna you're gonna love the program, right? I mean, that's that's a little bit of marketing, and that's how we you know build relationships and stay in business. But there's got to be a big ratio, 80%, 90%, over 90% needs to be value. We do, and, and what I like to do on our webinars, uh, when we're introducing a subject and we're talking about becoming a coach or, or whatever the program is, I do an upfront contract. Um, if there's anybody, any Sandler sales uh, fans out there, they really big on the upfront contract. And, and what, what I say is, hey, I'm going to introduce who we are And then I'm going to give you a ton of content that you can use that will help you in your life right now. And then at the end, I'm going to share with you a little bit about how you can get involved with us as a coach. And I'm going to go through our coaching system. Does that sound fair? And everybody knows. Okay. And so if there's, you know, let's just use round numbers. If there's a hundred people on there, they'll all say, man, this is fantastic. And then when I get to the last, you know, five to 10 minutes, I'll say, hey, I want to I want to share how you can get involved. They know I'm following through. And there's always, it's usually 5%. There's usually, you know, five to 10 people who I could just watch fall off the webinar. And you know what? That's totally cool. That's fine with me. Uh, They were great participants. Uh, A lot of them come over and over again, and they're there to get filled up and to learn. And someday, you know, maybe we'll have the right fit. But that's, that's kind of how we do it.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about some people. And you know, again, I've, I've heard you know, if you're talking about emails that you're sending out, people will tout different things. But just to think about how many times are you sending something out that's of just pure value? Is it five times and then you send a promotion? Is it 10 times? You know, wh- whatever it may be, but for folks to get the concept there. And I was thinking about some people that I interact with. So Roy H. Williams, I've had him on the show before. It's been a, quite a while but he has sent out forever his Monday morning memo. I get it. I always read it. It's not, uh, you know, probably half the time. Is it something that really resonates with me, but I, he's given me so much value, but he sends one article. So his weekly newsletter is one topic, one article, and it's only a page or so long. Uh, and then he always has underneath a PS and it's an offering. Uh, of some type. It's some, somebody, somebody, uh, some product, some service, some event, something like that. And I know it. And I almost always look at it out of interest, but I just got, uh, you know, the val the, the, the value is the point of the thing. Uh, Tim Ferriss, most people know him for our work week guy mm-hmm. and he sends out, and I also get a five point Friday. The guy is such a curator of business service, personal services, health and wellness, whatever. And so he'll send out this, here's what I'm listening to. Here's uh, what I'm reading. Here's, you know, an intro, a great quote, whatever, five things. And I often find something of interest or value in there. And then after that, he always has an offering. It's whoever, you know, he's, who's sponsoring his show at that point or whatever. And, and I'll usually look at that, but the point of it is that value. So yeah, again, uh, for us to look at here's one right in relation to this Ken Vaughn. He says, empty claims of how people can help improve without offering real results, Uh, not providing more than vague promises until you spend $497 to join the program. And he cites, he says, "Uh, Kevin, you had Nick Unsworth on recently and his life on fire challenge is free. So he can prove his value before asking you to spend anything. So that was show 801. And in that, uh, you'll hear us talk about that he had this bit. He has his uh, uh, his big offering, and they charge a thousand dollars for it, and then they went and charged five hundred dollars for it. And now today, they give the exact same thing that they were charging a thousand bucks for. They give it away for free. So just as Ken's talking about, they give it away for free. You can go experience it, and now uh, he, his, his, you know, their experience with it then is uh, or Nick's is. Testimony is people are so grateful for the value. They got great value out. Now they come back, then, and they do have big ticket offerings, you know, a $2,000 program, a $10,000 program to say, look, if you got value there, we can meet with you and help you go even deeper, get more out of that. And he's having more success with that. So he's, he's actually making more money. It sounds altruistic, but he's making more money. He's a business guy, he's in it for a profit, but he is now giving it away. For free. And you know, there's it's always a numbers game and what's best. But man, that is one where people get caught up on, oh, how much it's what you talked about, Tom, how much do I give away? Uh, If I give away too much, will they not pay for it? Generally I see more success erring on the side of giving more away give too much away Uh, because over here on this side if you're just teasing people and not giving them anything it's really hard for them to trust whether or not there is going to be value or not if they haven't experienced it to some degree and i know you're again you're doing this uh every day i mean a lot of these people listen here are on the ziggler list they get stuff from ziggler and you guys are we're always trying to figure it out ourselves as well
2: yeah I mean, you know, for everybody listening, just go to Ziggler.com and hunt around a little bit. You'll see a ton of free stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah. we got it everywhere. And, you know, we, we like to do that because if we can get you started, if we can prove the value of our content, if you understand that what we do services you, then when, when there's an opportunity that comes along that's a fit, you're more likely to invest. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends and mentors, Seth Godin, Uh, He he has a very simple philosophy. His goal in every interaction is to scale trust. That's it. He says, whether it's email, on the phone, at a speaking event, if you trust him more after the interaction, then he's done his job. And this is a fantastic concept because – in the book, Secrets of Closing the Sale, dad said this. He said, there's five reasons that people don't buy. No need, no want, no hurry, no money, and no trust. Mm-hmm. And trust is the by far the biggest reason that people don't buy. So what Seth was really saying is, hey, when I get people to trust me because I'm always trustworthy, <laughs> that's the hard part. Right. When I when I figured out the hard part, then when I have something they need, they're just going to buy. So that's that's what I love. So for me, uh, experts from the stage, scaling the trust, people online, scaling the trust, authors, scaling the trust. And so what what happens? You make a big promise and you don't deliver. Trust goes down. You make a little promise and you over-deliver. You give more than they expected. Trust goes up.
0: Hey, I've been guilty of, of, of those things in the past, Tom. Times when I just out of a good heart, good intent, and I wanted to just promise so much. But man, the, the expectations are so high. It's almost impossible to meet it. So I, I hurt trust in the past doing that. Another way that I hurt trust uh, myself, and I actually did this as recent as a couple years ago. I, we launched the product. And what people came back and said, man, it's interesting, but I'm just confused, confusion. And I had somebody school me there. He said, man, especially on a a website, if you confuse people, you lose, you confuse, you lose. And, you know, so it's, 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 it's an aspect of trust Um, because when you, when you confuse people, you're not clear on what your offering is. Uh, And again, man, it's such a hard thing to do for so many people. How can you, especially if you got something that that is pretty in depth, that is pretty has some complexities to it. Uh, and we had an offering that, that required some education. We had to go totally retool everything because in the way that we presented it, it confused them. Well, this comes into some of what we've been talking about, but you know, Tars Thomas, he says just, it's getting to be so noisy from all the marketers, uh, Teresa Lodi. She says, it's getting to be again, so noisy. Wendy says people bombarding me, uh, promotions, you know, right after you join their lists, uh, Passive income promises, leaving out the hard work that goes on in the front end, says Gregory. And I'm going to culminate these with this. Brian, he says, Brian Gross says, the frequency of messages. Is such a big one for me. You don't need to reach me every other day. I know there's a delicate balance of this. I don't like messages that are all about them and take no effort to connect with me. Uh, when I market, I always give them uh, an early ability to tell me to go away. But sincerity and humility are big components in my marketing to others. But that, the frequency, that is one where I have people, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be candid that a lot of the guests I have on the show I mean I I get involved with what they're doing and I'll go subscribe to their stuff and it's interesting in the months that, that ensue how many of them I'll ultimately sometimes you know unsubscribe from because it's just too much it's not that it's not good information it's just I just get tired of it filling my box so just as we're talking about how often do we provide value and how often do we promote there's also the the aspect of regardless how much do we contact them and if you've got an email list i think the going thought is you know at least once a week you need to send something out um and there's no perfect scenario here and tom i I know that you guys are you know you have stuff that's going out uh frequently as well if there's something of real value to offer to send it out but man we've just and this is something that we talk about there's nothing new under the sun but things do change and as of this recording in july 2020 uh, as it will be next year it 's always at an all time high we 've got more okay. media more ability to communicate and I think it's going to call us all back to refining and restructuring how we communicate with our audiences so we don 't overwhelm them
2: I tell you we 're guilty on this at Ziegler uh, it's not intentional guilt it's just it's it's just it's managing. It, it takes a lot of energy to manage this. And I'll give you the example at Ziegler. We have programs that cater to the individual, somebody who just wants books and in audio programs and online learning, self-study. Then we have people who want to be coaches. And then we have business owners who want to help, you know, systemizing their business. And then we have people who want to be a speaker or trainer. And these are four or five very distinct groups and so one of them comes in, and they're like, "Man, I want to know about that." So we start serving them, and then they go to our website, and they go, "I wonder what else they have," and they don't even know it, but they then subscribe to all five lists.
0: Oh, <laughs> and so yeah,
2: right. And so what we try to do as an organization is to follow up one or two times a week, usually two times a week, with with everybody uh, there. So. There you go. I mean, that's that's a challenge that we have. Yeah. We have unsubscribe on every email, uh, but that's that's what we do. I mean, but I, I wish I wish we had the easy easy answer, and we've struggled with that. But yeah. I feel the pain, and Kevin, I do the same thing. Yeah. I get on a ton of lists, and I'll either send them to a folder that I promise myself I'll check, and then I, <laughs> and I never check it. Yeah. Or I just unsubscribe.
0: Yeah, I have unfortunately been unsubscribing a lot. All right, I got I got one more here um, that is relevant as we're talking about us who are in business. Uh, this as Sheemus, he says signing up or he says it's the what takes away credibility. Sign up and join me for a live webinar at X time, and then it's clearly a recording that could have been watched. Any time, and we had somebody else talk about. I, I'm, I'm not seeing as I scroll down here, but somebody else talk about just the timelines, you know, and the limits uh, on certain things. And again, that's a difficult one because we know from marketing. I mean, you can do the tests out there. If you put a promotion out that just says, "Hey, here's what we've got: it's a great product, great service. Um, you know, you're welcome to buy." We put that. You're going to get X amount of responses if you put it out, and there is a time limit. Some urgency on it, or some scarcity there's only this many you will get more responses that's a true story and Tom I we, we know it is, and yet I cringe at it as well because if you 've got an electronic product, you can sell a billion it doesn't matter there's there's no limit on the amount of space you know of electronic seats in that now we can have a, a, a viable deadline of saying look we 're just going to offer this. From this date to this date, and then we're going to stop. Uh, and I've seen people do that, especially even like for online communities, because you get a hundred new members in there. Man, it takes a lot of effort, and so it makes sense. And we're going to stop it at that point and service those people. So sometimes it is legitimate. Um, you know, with this guy, Shamus was just talking about somebody who said to sign up for a live webinar and it was actually a recording. That's that's lacking integrity obviously i mean you do those a lot you have live webinars and when it's live you are literally there live now you'll tell people hey if you can't be there for the live one uh, the recording will be available and again for folks to hear from a marketing standpoint if you do a live event online which again is going to be recorded people can listen to it but you say i'm going to do it here live you will have more people show up for it and i'll I'll raise my hand I hardly ever watch recordings, but if I get wind of something and it's going to be live at so-and-so time, I'll show up. Even though I know this makes no sense. There's no reason I need to show up at that amount, at that exact time, because it's going to be recorded. It's just human behavior. And we think, hey, it's happening right now. We are that much more prone to show up. So here, here again, we're talking about just like with email or correspondence, the balance of things that we know work, people respond to, And then over here, though, the uh, the ethics of it or or, or the the honesty within it. And it's I don't have a magic bullet for that one either.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll give everybody some uh, Ziegler perspective, Okay, you know, growing up and what I learned from dad and what I've seen is, you know what, we're not in the book and tape business. We're not in the seminar business. We're not on the in the webinar business or the certification business. We're in the life changing business. That's the business we're in. We're in it to change lives. So years ago, famous story. Uh, Dad called Miss Lori. Miss Lori was Dad's personal assistant for 35 years. She's been with us 43 years now. And he said, uh, "Miss Lori, will you go through all the testimonials we've ever gotten?" And this is probably 30 years ago now, or 25 years ago. Would you go through all the testimonials we've ever gotten? And would you find out, uh, you know, would you count them? And so she pulls all the stuff out. She kept everything. She called dad back and said, Mr. Z, there's too many to count. We're going to have to weigh them. She was kind of laughing. And then he said, well, would you go through them? You know, not all of them, but a bunch of them and find out what changed their life. You know, because when somebody writes us a testimonial, it's because something in their life has changed. And he said, I want you to, f- to find out, was it the speech that changed their life? Did they hear me one time and that changed their life? Or was it the program? Was it the book? Was it the cassette tape program way back in the day? Was it the course they went through? And 99% of the people who said their lives were changed, it was because of the program. And so this is what we know about life change. There is no such thing as one and done. There's just not right when, when you hear a powerful message on the stage or on a webinar, it might be the catalyst that gets you to take action. And then when you invest in that course, that curriculum, that book, that whatever, and you read it and you think about it, and you read it again and, the, and you listen to the, to the audio program over and over again, that's what changes your life. Okay. So here's, here's one of my issues with credible experts on the stage. Uh, And this happens often. They get up, they deliver an unbelievable presentation. I'm, I'm writing notes. I'm getting excited. And then at the end, they say, Oh, by the way, if you want to know more, just call me. In other words, I wanted more. I was ready to take action, but they didn't have a clear path, an easy way for me to get involved to implement that into my life, so that's a missed opportunity. And so there's this real balance between, you know, I, the other the other thing that pees me is a 45 minute speech that's 44 minutes selling a program. Yeah. Okay. So, so so we got two issues here, right? We got 44 minutes of selling and one minute of content, and then we've got four 44 minutes of unbelievable content and a throwaway. Oh, by the way, you see. If we're in the life-changing business, we got to give so much value that they want to know what it is. And then we got to make it easy for them to get involved. And this is a challenge um, because like you said, time limit, scarcity, uh, limited time bonuses, uh, an, an incredible value stack, all of those things, those all move people to take action And as somebody who's has a passion and a conviction for what we offer, because it does change lives, I want to make it as easy for somebody to say yes right now. Yeah. Okay. Because if they don't say yes right now, every second that goes by, the likelihood is 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 they're not going to do anything. And so our greatest competition. And what we do at Ziegler is not them going to one of our competitors. You know what? In most of the cases, if somebody said, I'm I'm choosing between between you and X, my response would be, okay, just don't make the biggest mistake at all. And that's picking neither. Okay, pick one of us. (laughs) Because what you use and what you input, that's going to get you where you want to go.
0: Yep. Hey, you, you talking about that, uh, a couple of things you said about you know, a 45 minute talk and 44 minutes of his selling. Uh, we had Pete Vargas on the show. Who's just the master of stages. He was show six we're actually going to have him back on again. Uh, but he talks about out of a 45 minute talk, you get to sell for three minutes. He tells you where to put that in, how to do that. He says, that's where you get to sell. Now. Uh, the, the interesting part though, is what he does is teach you how to give value for the, the entire talk and be leading people into the cell the whole way. So it's, he's crafting that, but he says, man, you are giving them value. You get three minutes to literally sell and give them the, uh, the, the way to take action, the call to action. And yeah, you talking about that, man, Tom, I know you've heard it so many times where I've heard people who they get a chance to be on a stage, whether it's an electronic, st- digital stage like this or, or, or an actual stage. And they'll say, man, I'm going to give them all I've got. And I don't want to just come off like somebody who's selling something. So I'm not going to sell anything else. Uh, and you talking about that, you know, the, the survey you did on the testimonials and that it was Zig's message that got them to take action on the course and 99% of people said it was the course that changed their lives really showcases that it's our responsibility to provide a way for people to engage in that message that they may be interested in. That is why, and I want folks to hear this 99% of anybody we've ever had on the Ziegler show, any guests had a way for you to engage with them most of them have a book of course and it's say, hey if you got value out of this here is a book some of them had an online course I just talked about Pete Vargas we talked a little bit ago about Nick Unsworth uh, neither of those Nick does have a book but that's not their primary thing their primary thing is that to engage with them is to go be a part of their online course their online community I can think of one person that I've had on the show that had nothing uh, nothing else they had a great message but did not have a way to engage I feel like that is like I'm uh, it's my responsibility to bring guests on here to bring messages on here Uh, and if it is something that resonates with you that here is the way for you to engage and if somebody hears that and go oh man he's just trying to help them sell books I'm sorry but yeah absolutely because I have them on the show Cause they have something of value to offer and I want you to be able to engage. So I'm just grateful that you pulled that out. Um, that's a great that right there. Uh, we need to talk about that more, that, that survey on the testimonials that it wasn't the message. The message is what got them to take action. What changed their life was digging in the course, the book, the, uh, the, the the online community, whatever it may be that that that's where life change happens. Man, this is, this is great. I, I think this is, uh, so good for all of us to hear, help us to understand what creates credibility in our offerings. And yes, so many of us, you, me, Tom, and so many of the audience here are, they are leading people, they are influencing, or they want to, and to hear these things is golden because, um, if we don't retain our credibility, don't retain our trust. What's the quote? I keep trying to think of it on integrity. It takes a lifetime to build and a moment to lose something to that degree. It's somebody said
2: something like that. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So true. Oh, Hey, good stuff. It's got me thinking. I I made a a couple notes here for my own promotions just off the show.
2: Yeah. Well, I've got one more thing that I want to share. This is a pet peeve of mine. Um, There are programs out there that get sold from the stage and it says, you know, this is, this is our, this is our soup to nuts cafeteria. Everything's right here. Program. Right. And it's, it's, they're usually around a couple thousand dollars, two to $4,000, and then people will buy into that. Right. And they get into it and they're like, wow, well, that section, that was really good, but it, it didn't go all the way. And so they're like, hey, I really need help in this. And then they say, oh, well, the super secret marketing formula is this course right here. We can add it on for X. Yeah. Right. And so they get into this continuous upsell loop. And I I don't like the way those are positioned. And you're saying, but doesn't Ziegler do that? Well, there's we don't. Okay, we we have a different we have a different philosophy. We have a different strategy. And in fact, when we started working with Howard Partridge, who does all of our he's our exclusive small business coach, and what we offer is small business uh, systems training, right? And we do it through you know online and uh, you know we have group coaching and we've got this amazing back office that has hundreds of hours of content and of any system you could ever want to help systemize your small business. And we have different levels and somebody would say, "Uh, well, wait a second, you've got different levels. So aren't you doing the same thing? No, we're not because here's the thing in the entry level, all the contents there, it's all there and as much time as you have and as and, and you can go in and you can dig in as deep as you want and you you are going to have time in a group coaching format to ask the questions the higher levels what people are investing in is more one-on-one time yeah right that's 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 legitimate that's the way it should be and so that is to me that's the way it should be position. And so that I just wanted to share that pet peeve. I uh, know. Whatever you great, yeah. you know, you know, don't lead people in and say, hey, this is going to answer every question you've ever had if it's not. Right. Just just be up front and say, this is this is what this does. And then yeah, we have other programs, but that's designed for people who need more one on one attention or more small group attention or something like that, but you, you have access to, to the material.
0: Yeah. You're just talking about such a, you know, from all of us to hit these things and say, of course, we're in it to make income. If we can't make income, we can't provide anything to anybody because we can't do our jobs, but my gosh, to look at our tactics and say, is this about giving value or is this about just getting more money out of them, milking more money uh, out of them? And uh, we all got to watch it, man. Great stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, this is a great filter for us all to use. Thanks, everybody who tuned in on Facebook. And as always, for the folks who uh, gave the responses to this question, that's what makes these shows so rich. All right, man, I got some notes to put into place right now, Tom.
2: Be blessed. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.
0: Friends, I just think this is an incredibly enlightening show, for, uh, especially for all those who want to go out and influence others. It's a, a veritable guide of do's and don'ts in your marketing to retain credibility uh, and should help us all better vet those that we choose to let influence us as well. Coming up in episode 807, I have a really powerful show that morphed into some profound issues I didn't really foresee getting into. So my guest, Sam Collier, he's pastor, speaker, writer, host of the A Greater Story with Sam Collier, TV show and radio podcast, and that's the name of his new book, A Greater Story. So I brought Sam onto the show to discuss his incredible story, his personal story of being born to a drug addict, given up for adoption, Uh, and his focus on how we can and should elevate how we see our stories. Well, normally I would not give any reference to race or color, but part of Sam's story is being black and growing up in a very black culture in the South. And so we got into the current racial tensions of 2020 and what he shared uh, to blacks and whites. I really encourage everyone to listen to. I think actually it's around uh, maybe the 25 minute mark or so. But then, oh my goodness, following that, the, the latter part of the show, or maybe the second half, we got into both of our perspective, shared perspectives on finding one's purpose. And from it, well, you're going to hear Sam a couple of times exclaim, We need to write a book together. I'll admit, it was just significant. Again, a really, really powerful show. Well, folks, till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.